0: This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals, but don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Ah, hello, fine people of the world. Welcome to the season one finale of Growth Decoded, the show that aims to teach you things about things that improve the customer experience and grow your business. I'm your host, Ernie Santorelli, and we've got a great show for you to close out our first season. Now, at the beginning of this season, we introduced you to Plantasia, who didn't even have a name way back then. Now, back then, both Plantasia here and this show were just a sprout full of potential. And over the course of the season, as we have grown and gained knowledge, Plantasia has grown and gained height, leaves, stems, roots, and all the other accoutrements that accompany a growing plant. And here Plantasia is today. Boom. And here we are. Now, we might not have the immediately apparent features of growth that Plantasia has, but here's what we do have. We have knowledge of several aspects of the customer experience. Things like marketing software. Customer experience automation, marketing automation, sales CRM, landing pages, integrations, abandoned cart, Facebook custom audiences, lookalike audiences, email analytics, and today we'll investigate email subject lines. Now, don't you worry, we'll be back with season two in just a few weeks, and a little later on today, you'll get a sneak peek at some of the topics that we're going to cover throughout next season, topics that you helped us choose from your feedback. So, thank you, Grow Team, for your support, for your feedback and suggestions your interest in the show, we'd be like week one Plantasia without you. Now, throughout this first season, we've encountered a few themes as they pertain to the best practices around these topics that we've covered, how they improve the customer experience and how they help you grow your business. Now, remember, any business is a good business if you do business, but if you want to do more business, there are a few things that you can start with. First, know your customer. Know them like they're your best friend. Know who they are, know what they do, know which problems they have that you can help mitigate, alleviate, or eliminate. Know the questions that they want answers to and know where they go to find answers to those questions. Know how they talk. Know the words that they use. Talk to them the way that they talk. Answer their questions and meet them where they are. Now this brings us to our second main theme, expectations. Everybody's got them, including and especially your customers. Now, part of knowing your customer is knowing what they expect and managing those expectations. Can you deliver on them, or do they need to be recalibrated? If you can meet and exceed your customer's expectations, then they have a good experience. But if you can't, and you don't tell them why as soon as possible, then you mismanage their expectations and they have a bad experience. Well, the difference? Everything. The average consumer tells around 15 people about a positive or negative experience. Now, that's the difference between having an energized group of people acting as the world's best sales and marketing team for you or against you. And in a world where the average consumer trusts online recommendations as much as personal recommendations, you definitely want them working for you, unless you don't, in which case I'm not sure why you're watching the show, but hey, by all means, do what makes you happy. Not only that, but the majority of consumers will stop doing business with a brand after a single negative experience. Your business processes are made up of what repeats, and it's worth getting the things that repeat right, because those processes are going to drive the way that you communicate with your customers and your potential customers. This is especially true for the customer experience. Okay, on to today's topic, email subject lines. An email subject line is the headline of your email. It's the first impression, the first battle you must win if you want someone to do something, and your chosen method of inspiring action is electronic mail. You've seen bad ones, you've seen good ones, you've seen some that don't have one at all. Some have emojis, some use your name, some are absolutely ridiculous, and some are in all caps, assaults that make you feel like you're being yelled at. The questions that we want answers to, or at least some enhanced understanding to, are as follows. When it comes to getting someone to open an email, how important are email subject lines really? How do you write better email subject lines? Are there best practices or proven methods for this? Is there any utility in A-B testing your email subject lines, and if so, how should you do that? To get closer to the bottom of this, we're going to hear from a number of people, starting with Scott Frothingham. Let's meet Scott. Now I am joined by Scott Frothingham. He is the author of Instant Inspiration for Copywriters. He is the founder of Fast Forward Results, uh, and he is a phenomenal LinkedIn follow for everyone out there. Um, lots of insight, knowledge bombs about copywriting and, and all sorts of things in that realm. Um, I, I get inspired from most of your posts. Scott, I'm, I'm thrilled to, uh, to have you here. Welcome to Growth Decoded. Thanks,
1: Ernie. Uh, good to be here and uh, uh, always like to... Uh... To chat with uh, with folks like you, and then of course, flog my book, which is uh, always a, an important an important thing for uh, for authors to do. Um, oh, yes, you probably want me to uh, start off with a little bit of background on uh, who is this guy. Yes, please do. I uh, I started out thinking I was a marketing genius, um, and marketing was my focus. I always wrote my own copy, and then somewhere along the line, I started noticing my copy was better than my marketing acumen and. I was much better at writing copy than I was at the overall marketing thing. So I, I sort of made a quick about turn and said, uh, now I'm a full-time copywriter. And uh, that's, uh, that's been an area that a uh, uh, craft that I enjoy, that I love. And, uh, and uh, since, uh, since that point, I've been much happier in my
0: career. Oh, well, perfect. Uh, it seems like you're the, you're the right guy to talk to about today's topic, which is email subject lines. We'll also be hearing from some of our past guests as well as pulling some insights and hot takes from additional sources. So let's get into it here. How important is the email subject line? Well, according to a study by Invesp in 2021, 69% of email recipients report the emails as spam after reading the subject line. Now, research by Monster in 2020 revealed that 33% of email recipients opened emails because of catchy subject lines. A Beryllian study in 2021 showed that 64% make a decision to open emails based on subject lines. And a similar survey by SuperOffice in 2021 reported that 33.9% of recipients open an email because of the subject line. So with 33 to 64% of people making a decision to open an email based on the subject line, that's pretty significant. It's also a pretty big window. So we wanted to get some information. We polled active campaign employees to see how important subject lines were for them. The results? 63% of respondents said that they mattered a lot. 0% said they mattered a little. 17% said that the sender was the most important factor. And 20% of the respondents said that they're inbox zero people and they open everything. Oh, that's a, that's a hot take alert noise, which means it's time for today's first hot take. Now this one comes from Dave Gerhardt, the chief brand officer at Drift. Well, let's take a look at what Dave says. The best way to improve email open rates is not tweaking the subject line and testing gimmicks, it's to build a better reputation as a sender. The emails that I look forward to getting, the subject line doesn't matter. It's the sender, not the subject. Well, I know some folks who would agree with Dave, but doesn't this create a chicken or the egg situation? You can't build rapport as a sender if people don't open your emails. And if they don't know who you are, you have to find a way to get them to open your emails. Now, at that point, the subject line is pretty important, right? And what about for new subscribers who may have only just been introduced to you? You've got to win them over a few times before you become a trusted sender, in which case your subject line has to grab some attention for you. Let's see what Scott has to say. Um, So I guess we'll kind of just start off with how important in your opinion is an email subject line? Um, does, it, does it actually matter? Does it have a significant impact on whether or not someone opens the email?
1: Well, it is without question the second most important thing um, in your email. And of course uh, you say, wait, we're doing the show on this. What do you mean second most important? Um, first most important is the sender. Mm. Um, the, uh, the person getting the email, the recipient will see the sender and make a judgment. I know this person, I trust this person. Or I don't know this person, or this looks a little fishy. That's going to be the key thing to get it open. Once that has been established in the recipient's mind, boom, it is the subject line.
0: Mm. It
1: is the introduction? What? Why? Why am I going to open this email? What's in it for me? Why would I bother? Is this interesting? Is it? Has it? A, has it roused my curiosity? Yeah, pretty much. No subject line, no open. And then it doesn't matter how brilliant your email is, how great your call to action is. If it's not opened, it's not opened, and the subject line is key. Importance to get that done.
0: Yeah, um, completely agree with you there. I mean, it's sort of like caller ID, right? You know, I get a a phone call from numbers that I don't recognize, or that name doesn't pop up on my iPhone right away, and there's a large chance that I'm not going to answer the phone and sort of just wait and see if they leave a message, if they call again, you know, whatever the case may be there. Um, And you kind of alluded to this, I think, in your answer but what is the the most important job of a subject line in your opinion?
1: Well, uh, uh, Joe Sugarman said it much better than than I did. In so many words, he said uh, the purpose of uh, everything in an ad, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, um, is to get the person to read the ad. Mm. And the subject line, like a good headline, is to get your attention and to arouse curiosity and to get you to open that email then obviously the rest of the emails to get you to read it and progress you through to a call to action. Now, i got a question uh, for you. Sure. Um, Emails. Do you think you have in your email? Maybe that aren't opened 10
0: unopened thousand. I'm okay. So I'm one of the weird people. I'm an inbox zero guy. So good for you. I couldn't tell you how many I've just clicked that little button that says Mark is red just so that it's not bold anymore. And I don't have that notification. Um, I'm one of those people. So, I mean, I couldn't tell you, probably thousands.
1: Yeah, lot, lots of people have a lot of emails in their box. Uh, uh, the numbers say that about 120 emails a day is what the average employed person gets. Wow. Uh, numbers, the numbers change, but out of 121 a day, um, or 120 a day, you got to think that's a crowd. And what is your subject line doing? in that crowd to get noticed. Right. If somebody's skimming or scanning those or just uh, looking to hit the market email is read quickly, what's going to stop that person? What's going to stop you from scanning down and saying, oh, uh, I'll consider opening this?
0: So Scott also seems to think that the sender is the most important, but that the subject line is the second most important. Your subject line is the headline that gets people to read your email. It's the way you get attention in a crowded inbox. But how do you go about writing a subject line in a way that helps you garner attention? For that, we turn to copywriting expert, Eddie Schleiner. He's the founder of verygoodcopy.com and a copywriting consultant for companies like Drift and HelpScout. He was also the lead copywriter at G2. Here's what Eddie has to say about headlines or for our purposes, subject lines. Don't write another headline before reading this. It's one of the smartest copywriting quotes you'll ever read. No sentence can be effective if it contains facts alone. It must also contain emotion, image, logic, and promise. From copywriter Eugene Schwartz. Eddie says, headlines are sentences too, of course. In fact, they're the most important sentences because if you write a bad one, no one will care enough to read the rest of your sentences. If you write a bad headline, you fail. So don't write flat, invisible headlines like white paper on a white desk. Write compelling headlines that contain emotion, image, logic, and promise. Here's how to make it important. One, emotional. Make it dramatic. Like this famous headline by John Caples. They laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play, this is one of the most successful headlines of the 20th century, and it's because it tells a story. It dramatizes the claim. It's storytelling. It makes the prospect visualize a clear narrative in as few words as possible that she can relate to and understand. Now, that's compelling. Now, what about vivid? Make it appeal to the senses, like this headline from the United Fruit Company. Tastes like you just picked it. Sensitizing the claim by making the prospect feel it, smell it, touch it, see it, or hear it will transport the prospect to a moment, consciously or otherwise. Now, this headline is a hungry moment. You've just bitten into a fresh apple, a delicious fresh apple, and you think, I can't wait to take another bite. That's compelling. What about logical? Make it a question, like this headline. Has this man really discovered the secret to inevitable wealth? In his book, Enlightened Leadership, Ed Oakley writes, nothing redirects people's thinking better than a well-phrased question. And that's true. A good question can be provocative, even profound to a prospect on the cusp of a decision, especially if she has at one point asked herself the same question. Now that is compelling. And finally, hopeful. Make it inspirational like this classic headline from Rolls-Royce, to the man who is afraid to let his dreams come true. This ad was featured in Julian Watkins' book, The 100 Greatest Advertisements. Despite being run during the Great Depression, it sold more cars than any other Rolls-Royce ad in history. An inspirational headline can challenge any limiting beliefs the prospect might have, forcing her to think deeply and critically about what she wants. Life, after all, is a constant battle between what we want and what others expect of us. It's a perennial fight transcending generations and cultures. Woo! Woo! some gold in there. Shout out to Eddie, who, like Scott, drops copywriting insights and inspiration like that on LinkedIn daily and for free. Okay. So there are some different ways to write subject lines, but let's hear from Scott on the actual process of writing a subject line. So I, I, it's not the first time that I've heard the comparison of an email subject line to an ad headline be made. And I think, you know, in, in many ways, they're almost exactly the same thing. And so I've also heard that a headline or a subject line is maybe the most difficult piece of copy to write. So one, would you agree with that? And then two, how do you kind of approach writing a subject line? Do you have a process or a strategy for that?
1: Um, my, my writing a subject line is very similar to writing a headline because of, of all the areas we touched on. Um, I go through a pretty much a three or four step process. Um, First thing I've got to do is I've got to ask myself, okay, why am I sending the email? What do I want to have happen? What what is the purpose of this email? So the first one is is answer that question, why? Why am I doing this? Second thing I've got to consider before putting pen to paper is who am I talking to? Um, Because um, like good ads, um, if you talk to everybody, you're going to reach nobody. If you talk to a specific person or a specific group of people, um, you can then communicate with them properly and get some reaction. So uh, why am I sending it? Who am I talking to? Um, as I start getting into who, it's uh, what, what do they care about? So if I've if I've limited my audience to a specific group, what does that group care about? Is there a, a pain point? Is there something they're stressing for? Uh, um, uh, I sometimes refer to that as uh, as the gas. What does this person want to grow, avoid, or solve? Mm. Um, now that I've got that, I've got a pretty good handle to start. Then I take a deep breath and I think about matching the voice of the brand. Because if you're writing for a, a plastic surgeon, um, maybe a funny or joke uh, subject line isn't going to be appropriate. Right. Uh, so, uh, the, 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 brand voice becomes important. And then I start writing like crazy. I usually write about 20, uh, subject lines. Um, and then after I've written all those, I, uh, I remind myself that uh, about half of these are going to be read on a mobile device. And so I either get rid of those that I can't shorten to about seven words or less, or I, uh, I see what I can do to get them down to uh, to seven words or less. Then, um, and this will open up a new uh, new uh, category. Um, then I pick the best three, and then I use those uh, three for uh, for A/B testing.
0: Wow, that is a pretty comprehensive strategy. There's a lot of a lot of gold in there. Um, that's that's fantastic. I love those questions that you ask yourself, um, specifically the one about does this match the brand voice? Because this is something that has come up in in multiple episodes that we've covered is how do you manage or match the expectations of your audience? Because that's sort of what customer experience is really all about. Like, are you setting up the expectations and delivering on them or are you doing something, acting in a way that completely misses the mark in terms of what your customers or potential customers are expecting from you. So I really like that point. Um, it just seems like that is kind of permeated through all of the different aspects of the customer experience that we've investigated so far. So that is, a. Uh, it's great to hear that, it, that, it, um, you know, is, is part of your process as well. Um, I definitely well, I want it, to get it. Oh, go ahead.
1: It, it also, uh, opens up, um, an important part of the, uh, of the relationship of the subject line to the uh, to the content, which okay. is better, be a relationship there. Mm. Don't 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 get my attention and arouse my curiosity with a subject line, and then I start reading the content and I don't see the relationship between the uh, the content and the subject. If I've asked a question, answer the question and answer it quick. If you said, um, uh, "Do you feel you're spending too much money on dry cleaning?" Um, I don't want to open up and hear about what kind of drag cleaner you are. I want to hear about how you're going to save me money. And I want to hear about it fast.
0: Right. Okay. All right. So Scott gave us some great best practices when it comes to writing a subject line that's actually going to get opened. So first, ask yourself some questions. One, why am I sending this email? What's the purpose of it? Two, who am I talking to? Who is my audience? Three, what do they care about? What's the gas? Or what do they want to grow, avoid, or solve? How do you match the voice of the brand? And then he writes 20. He picks three and then tests them. Now, we're going to get into the testing part in a little bit, but for now, let's stick with the process. Let's look at that first question Why are you sending? What's the purpose of the email? There are different types of emails, right? We've divided them into four main categories. First, there's the announcement, the special offer, the discount. State the announcement, make it fascinating. Your list quality is going to help a lot here, but also be clear about what the announcement is. Don't get too cute or too clever. In copywriting, clarity beats cleverness every time. Then there's number two, and that's the resource delivery email. Tell people what they need to do. you got to manage their expectations. Things like uh, action required, or resources inside, or confirmation needed. Next, you have the reactive email. Now, these are usually straightforward, but you can make them exciting. Things like an abandoned cart email, uh, recaps from your app's usage, Maybe if your recipient completes an action, like uh, a course, uh, they make a payment or a purchase, you want to send them a confirmation. And finally, there's the newsletter, the content, the email blast. Now, this is where you have the most freedom and probably what you're most curious about. These four buckets have a lot to do with what type of subject line you're going to write. Remember, we have to manage expectations. What is the expectation that you're setting with the subject line? What is the content of the email actually going to deliver? Let's hear it from Scott. How should the content of the email impact the way that you approach the subject line? And, and maybe to spin off of that a little bit, how should the type of email impact the way that you write a subject line? You know, is it transactional? Is it reactionary? Is it information? Is it, you know, uh, the, the type of email or the type of content? How does that kind of play into the subject line?
1: Well, when you've, uh, when you've decided uh, why you're writing this, the email, my first question, why am I sending an email? Um, part of the answer to that is where the customer is on the customer journey. Right. Um, and then that determines what the body copy is going to be, what the content is going to be. Um, but once again, um, it really goes back to uh, they, they, they have to relate. How would you feel if, uh, um, I don't know, you, you bought uh, uh, your favorite kind of uh, chip and you open the bag and you love barbecues, barbecue on the outside of the bag, and you open up it's sour cream and onions, you're going to be disappointed.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, obviously, the interaction uh, has to be there. Often, the subject line can come from the, uh, the conclusion of the body copy. It's often very similar to the, uh, the CTA or call to action.
0: That is a very interesting point. And now, for something completely different, but just for a few moments. We're going to turn our attention to the future, to Growth Decoded Season 2, and you're going to get some quick hit tips on topics that we'll cover more in depth next season from our wonderful guests and co-hosts, Jamie, Tabitha, and Shiv. So without further ado, we will break away from our topic momentarily to give you a quick tip on something different in a segment that we're going to call, we will break from our topic momentarily to give you a quick tip on something different.
3: Hi everyone, Tabitha here from the education team. And what I want to talk to you about today is effectively managing your pipelines through the CRM and active campaign. When you start to think about why you'd want to use a CRM, I'm sure a sales process immediately comes to mind. And while you might have one of those, there's so many other things that you can implement into your pipelines within the CRM. Think about the external and internal processes that you're operating day to day. Think about where your customers are at in their journey. Are they being nurtured because they are considering your business and you want them to convert? Have they just made a purchase and converted? Are you simply looking for them to make a download? Are you shipping them a product? There's so many different things that you can do that will help you meet your customers where they're at. And setting up your pipelines to reflect the processes that you're operating will allow you to track to those more successfully. As you define those pipelines, what you're going to be able to do is break them down stage by stage. We talk a lot about at Active Campaign how staying organized and implementing a process before you dive into the software, software is the key to success. This will help you start to break down what your actual stages are and build those organizational factors into your pipelines. As soon as you start building and seeing all of your puzzle pieces to come coming together, you'll find that all of your pipelines actually meet each other where the other one stops. Your processes will start to unite and you'll find that your pipeline management has now become successful within the CRM of Active Campaign. There's lots of other tools that you can use to stay organized within your CRM, but building blocks of your pipelines and stages will help you get started successfully. Hope to see you soon to talk more about the CRM. Hello
2: everybody. My name is Shiv and I'm here on Active Campaigns education team here to talk to you about conditional content. Yes, I know all of you were really excited to chat about this, so we're excited to tell you a little bit more. So conditional content is the idea that in a singular email, we can change different elements of that email to be seen by different people. That means is you don't have to build out two, three, four, five, ten different emails to make things personalized. You can do that all in one singular email a great example of this is uh, I used to be a wedding videographer in a past life and I would you know be doing a shoot in in Chicago on the streets somebody would come up to me and they'd say hey uh, you know I'm looking for a videographer for my wedding I'm looking for a videographer for my birthday uh, for my live event Uh, I would love to chat more and see if this is something that would work I'd say yeah absolutely I'd bust out a form that was an active campaign based form on my phone and I would say why don't you go ahead and fill this out really quick and we'll go ahead and sync up sometime this week but that form would would ask is name. You know, where we met. Uh, and then it would ask a couple questions based on the event type that you are doing, right? And so it asked about that event type. And so what I can see here is that in this email that would get sent to them as soon as they hit the submit button on that form, the first block of this email says, Dear first name, right? Insert first name here. Dear first name, great meeting you at insert where we met here, right? Added a little bit of personalization to that first block. Everybody saw that block. But after that, you dynamically only saw the block that mattered to you based on what type of event you told me that you're doing on that form. And so here you can see this will only show if what videography services are you looking for equals birthday videography. If you select a birthday, I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, it sounds like that birthday party is going to be really fun uh, with a date coming up on insert birthday here. Let's aim to find a time this week to chat further. Uh, In the meantime, here's our birthday party pricing. Uh, This was different than if somebody said a wedding, in which case I would say, hey, congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Uh, I'd be honored to chat more about capturing this amazing day uh, with a date coming up on insert wedding day here. Let's aim to find time this week to chat further. And in the meantime, here's more information about our wedding pricing. So conditional content. Content can save you a ton of time and be incredibly valuable for you. Uh, again, I hope this was valuable for you guys and hope to see you uh, next time.
4: Hey Grow Team, Jamie here to share some tips on how to plan a lead or a contact scoring system. So first, you want to ask yourself one, what do you require? This is about the minimum criteria that a lead must pass to become a customer, such as their age or being in a regional service area. Two, who is your target market? Identify the qualities that your market usually possesses and work with marketing and sales to see how to speak to those customers. Three, who is your ideal lead? Uh, Identify the characteristics of a perfect customer so those leads can earn a higher score, such as a certain size budget or an upper management decision maker. Four, you wanna think about how do your customers behave? Um, You want to work on listing all possible behaviors that a lead can engage in, and think about which of these are critical conversion behaviors, or behaviors that your leads go through prior to becoming a customer. So for example, email opens, email clicks, replies, um, social media shares, requests to contact, free trials, etc. Five, you want to decide on a system. If you aren't exactly sure the kind of system you want to create, creating a straightforward 100-point system is usually the way to go. Um, then six, you want to distribute points. So create a maximum value for each category of actions and assign ideal behaviors to each of those actions. And then seven, you're going to refine and tweak your scores. So just iterate and improve over time. And that is how you start building a lead scoring system. So I hope that was helpful. And, uh, thanks for joining us as always on Growth Decoded.
0: All right. Wonderful. Thank you to our wonderful season one guest co-hosts. Stay tuned for the full list of topics that we'll be covering next season in addition to the topics that you just got quick tips on. But back to email subject lines. Scott has talked about curiosity and for good reason. Curiosity plays into human psychology. It's a phenomenal motivational force to take an action, which means it's a great strategy to employ when coming up with your email subject line. Oh, another alert, and this one, comes from Devin Reed, the head of content strategy at Gong, who also shares some great insights on LinkedIn and just started a great newsletter that you can sign up for called The Content Strategy Reader. That's R-E-E-D-E-R, like his last name. Let's see what Devin has to say about curiosity. Writing effective email subject lines is a superpower. Here's a quick tip for increasing your open rates. Drive curiosity. He calls it the mystery subject line. Now, the goal is to create curiosity that motivates your reader to open your email by clicking They hope to solve the curiosity within the body of the email. You're specifically being vague to intrigue the reader. Here's some examples. This can't be right. Reader, what can't be right? I might be wrong. Wrong about what? Does this work for you? Does what work for me? Notice the question mark. It's designed to incite curiosity. But warning, you must deliver on the curiosity you create in the subject line in the body of the email. Otherwise, it feels like a manipulative gimmick to steal attention, a.k.a. clickbait. Try it today, inject some mystery into your subject lines, and you'll increase your open rates overnight. Right, well, Devin's right. Asking a question is one of the best ways to create curiosity, but what are some others? Professor George Lowenstein wrote this paper back in 1994, and in it he outlines the five main ways that you can create curiosity. They are, ask a question, start a story but don't finish it, make a statement that's unexpected, imply you have information that they don't, or imply that they have information that they have since forgotten. Now, this last one is infuriating until you figure it out. Seriously, think about all the times that you're watching a show or a movie and you see someone in it that you recognize, but you can't quite remember where you've seen them before. I'm convinced that that feeling is responsible for 95% of the direct web traffic to IMDb. Anyway, Scott and I talked about curiosity as well. Take a listen your opinion on the overall value or quality of a subject line, what in your opinion makes a subject line good?
1: Um, does it get attention? Does it arouse curiosity? Hmm. That's, that's all I care about. Um, and if it does that, well, and then obviously that, that translates to uh, the open rate. Right. Um, there are, uh, there are certain things that I will, uh, Look for and look against. Uh, look, look, look. Be upset about. For example, if I see uh, an email line uh, that is shouting, has a lot of all caps, uh, an email line that has a lot of exclamation points, um, those are those are red flags to me, and uh, and I'll say that's not a good one. If uh, if I see too much jargon, depending on the uh, target customer. That's uh, that it. It falls into the uh, this has to be uh, this has to be tweaked. Um, what happens a lot with the ones I write, um, if it's too clever, mm. I sometimes say, "Wow, that's that's really clever," but I think uh, concise and clear will do the job a little bit more than clever. And guys like me tend to want to get uh, fancy and have fun, where sometimes um, the the question. Is uh do you feel you're too paying too much uh, money for auto service? Um, is probably clear, precise, and talks to a pain point that uh, that somebody might have.
0: Mm. So Sorry. you mentioned curiosity a few times here, um, and and we will cover the the five curiosity levers as we like to call them. Um, so you know, start a story but don't finish it. Say something unexpected. Imply that you have info that they don't. Imply that they used to have info that they have since forgotten, um, and that leads me to the fifth one, which is apparently something that I have forgotten. Um, are, are there particular curiosity levers, for lack of a better term—not my term—but um, that you kind of like to pull? Are there anything, and as it pertains to curiosity, kind of how do you approach that? How do you approach, you know, piquing someone's interest? Um,
1: well, first thing is, is looking at the uh, at the client. Or, or the customer, or the person who be uh, that this email is targeted to, and uh, once we've focused on that, um, the decision comes to: Are we going to try and tweak a pain point? Are we going to try and tell a story? How are we going to approach this customer? And then the curiosity um, uh, will arise Will arise from that. Mm. So what What are What are we going to uh, What are we going to tell this? person. What do we want them to have happen? And then based on that, how are we going to get them into it? How are we going to open it? One of the ways, if it's a story, uh, I like one of the ones that you said, the open loop, which is the uh, you know, start, start a story, but they have to finish it by, uh, by opening the email. Again, one of those places where uh, you better close that loop right away or you'll have people bouncing out of, the, uh, out of that email fast.
0: Okay. So we've got some great advice and best practices coming through. Think about why you're writing the email, who it's for, what type of email it is, and then try to incorporate some curiosity into it. But what about some other best practices? Now, you, you mentioned a couple of the questions that you ask yourself, as well as, you know, um, how can we build curiosity with the subject line? Do you, are there any other best practices that you like to keep in mind for writing a, a good subject line? Um,
1: yeah, I think I, I, think I, mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned short. Right. Um, and a lot of that is because of how many are open on uh, mobile. Um, power words, if you're, if you're coming up, if you're coming up with a, uh, uh, if, if you're looking at that, uh, that screen and you're a little blank and you're trying to say, how am I going to, uh, start, um, look for some power words, uh, that, uh, that might help, you know, words like, uh, uh discover or exclusive, um, uh, I probably, uh, go through to make sure that, uh, it's talking to my audience as opposed to uh, talking to everybody. Um, I love questions, I love numbers. Um, numbers often translate. This goes back to another question you asked. Once you've done a lot of testing, does some of that testing affect the way you write future um, emails even for different customers? And yeah, some of the things do, and one of them is uh, consistently um, a number in a, uh, in a subject line. Um, gets good attention and, and good open rate. So uh, I look for uh, uh, an opportunity in, in the 20 or so that I write to, to have at least one that has a, uh, a number in it.
0: Oh, keep it short. Most mobile email providers begin to truncate the email subject line after just 60 characters. Use power words and numbers. Numbers tend to jump off the page. They're the next best thing to use if images aren't available. And power words appeal to emotions, as well as curiosity. Now, back in our Facebook Custom Audiences episode, we talked with Melissa Love, a business owner out of the UK who specializes in WordPress website design and marketing consulting. Melissa had some great insights and experience with subject lines and determining which words worked. Check it out. I've
5: now got a lovely marketing manager who's one of the best copywriters I've ever had. And she is phenomenal. Yet sometimes I read an email and I'm like, did I write that or did she Ah. Like she's that good. I, I don't know who, who, which one of us it is anymore. So um, so she will often set up a sequence. Then I'll go in and kind of put a, change a few things. On a Friday, we have a Friday roundup email. And on a Monday, we have a Monday kind of mindset email. And we have a little competition so you can get the craziest subject line. Internally, we have a little internal kind of office Slack competition to see who can um, come up with the most outrageous.
0: That's, uh, things that's fantastic subject lines, yeah. we actually have an episode coming up on email subject lines is there uh is there one in particular that you can that stands out in your head as being particularly outrageous
5: um the one that's got, our all-time winner that's got, had the best um was my cat caught a bat which is a true and it's in brackets true story that's right. the one that did work really well oh and uh, what Kay and i did a i'll tell you one that did really well anything with the word swipe in Kay and i did a joint uh, webinar and it, the first email out of the gate was want to swipe our whole funnel,
4: mm. our
5: whole email funnel. So that, that got a great open rate. So um, an outrageous group. offer or an outrageous story, story-based incident uh, are, the, are the ones that work for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just, it builds curiosity, right? That's the, yeah. the subject line is the headline and you got to make them want to read more somehow. And usually that's make it irresistible for them to, uh, to not click and read into that. That's awesome. Thank you for yeah. sharing those.
5: <laughs> okay. Well, when we first started doing the Friday one, we put it the Friday fix and um, it was called the Friday fix every week. And I thought that's great. People will know to look out for it. And then when we started changing it to, you know, crazy stuff, people will, like, we saw the open rate shoot up. So they were like, right, no more Friday fix. That was a terrible idea.
0: <laughs> mm. awesome gotta keep that in mind that's that's great advice for anyone that's sending a newsletter too that might you know th- there's like a there's a certain element that's like you should have the content be expected but i think you know having the content coming at a certain day or maybe at a certain time might be expected enough but that uh varying up the subject line is that's a great tip um back well, to, you nope.
5: can, oh nope. you can bookend it so actually i think ours actually does say friday fix dash mm. whatever crazy thing
0: The best subject line. My cat caught a bat. Think about why. It starts a story and it doesn't finish it. It's unexpected. It creates curiosity in the sense that you have no idea what could happen next, so you open it because you have to find out. Melissa also said anything with the word swipe in it tends to perform well. Power words. Now, as time goes on and you keep these things in mind, you'll get better at writing subject lines, but what if you have a few that you really like? and you're not sure which one to go with for a given campaign or or what if you want to learn more about what really resonates with your audience and you want to learn fast well that's where testing can come in but how do you make that happen you know what someone asked this question in the active campaign community recently and you already know that Tim and Molly were on the case let's take a listen to our customer evangelist Tim and community manager Molly answer questions from the active campaign community
6: it's been a while Make summer last at the garden. You can do this, Tim. These are actual subject lines from emails I've received in the past few weeks. You know what? I can do this.
7: An email is a chance to send relevant, valuable content to your customers. But if your subject line fails, then the rest of your content doesn't even matter.
6: Hi, I'm Tim from Active Campaign.
7: And I'm Molly from Active Campaign. Today we're going to answer a question that asks, Is there a way to do subject line split testing for each email within my automation? Yes, there is. Split testing is a great way to determine which subject line is performing best. And trust me, you want the best performing subject line.
6: Your subject line is a major reason why someone does or does not open your emails. It's the most important part of your email, and it also happens to be the hardest part to write. An effective subject line makes the recipient curious about what's inside the email. This makes them want to open the email and find out more. A great place to begin brainstorming subject lines that work is a subject line generator, like the free one ActiveCampaign provides. This simple tool suggests several subject lines once you choose a category and enter a keyword. These subject lines might be exactly what you're looking for, or they might serve as a jumping off point for further customization.
7: Personalization is a great way to make your subject lines even more relevant to your contact. You can add personalized data like your customer's first name or even the product that they left in their shopping cart. This makes your subject lines more relevant to your customers and makes them even more likely to open your email. The best way to know if your subject lines are actually working is to test them. You can use Active Campaign split testing to accomplish this in either campaigns or automations. When using split tests and automations, you can define the criteria for when you want that split test to end. After a certain number of contacts have split, after a certain date, or you can run the test indefinitely with no expiration.
6: Create three variations of your email, each with a slightly different subject line. Send each variation of your email to a third of your list. And then after a few days, see which variation had the most opens. You can then use the winning subject line for future emails. All right, there we have it. We had a question from our community that we were going to answer. And And we we did. did.
0: Great. There are a few different ways that you can A, B or split test within ActiveCampaign. And we'll show you more on that in just a bit. But first, let's hear what Scott has to say about testing. I think a lot of people start off, you know, what is this email about? OK, here's what my subject line is going to be. Maybe they just write it down and, and then get to the email body and, uh, and completely forget to come back to it and maybe see if there's another better option. And speaking of other better options, you alerted to this as well. You, you narrow it down to three and then you A B test. So yes. um, it is, it's apparent to me that you're a fan of A B testing. Um, and there are some folks out there who I, I actually was reading um, just the other day a Twitter thread about a guy who thought that A B testing subject lines was a complete waste of time. So could you talk a little bit about the value of A B testing subject lines, kind of where you find the value or, or why you find it to be um, worthwhile? Well,
1: the ability to test any kind of advertising or marketing. Is, uh, is key. Mm. Uh, I, I once had a boss who used to say, uh, uh, it's not what you expect, it's what you inspect. And the reason I'm sold on A-B testing is every time it seems I do A-B testing, the subject line I think is going to kill usually comes in as the least uh, productive and, and lower, lower performing subject. Mm. Those things it's a it's almost like a personal joke with me where I uh, I look at it and say I love this it's gonna
2: die (laughs) Uh,
1: I I do think I do think uh we can research things to death um and I do think we can take it too far and I do think that when we get excited about oh this performed 0.0.24 percent better than the last one take a deep breath um and 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 don't get too far into it uh, uh, I, I I worry about losing some of the uh, some of the uh, the feeling and emotion by over testing. Mm. I do want to see what's working. Um, I also often uh, 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 do that with uh, with lead magnets, where I'll send them to a totally uh, separate page, and I'll see that the, the the copy on one page, the headline on one page, the positioning of the uh, of the call to action button makes a difference. Mm. We we have to remember we're not just a uh, we're usually not advertising to ourselves.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a very important thing to keep in mind I think and and to the point of the, you know, people only writing one subject line, I think that that is that's probably where that falls in that that fallacy where it's like, well, this is going to work for me. I would open this email. Then you kind of just go from there. Important to remember, you're not sending this email to yourself. Sometimes you can get too close to a campaign or an email and you forget that the people you're emailing don't know all the same things you do or feel the same way. This is called the curse of knowledge, and it's a cognitive bias that occurs when an individual who is communicating with other individuals assumes that they have the background knowledge to understand. Another hot take noise. What's this one? Jacob Sappington, hot take alert, A-B testing campaign subject lines is stupid, full stop. Jacob Sappington coming in with an absolutely blistering take that says, testing campaign subject lines is a waste of time. He's not the only one who thinks so. Jen Hayweiss, founder of Make Mention Media and author of Finding the Right Message, spent a summer running A-B tests and the results changed her mind on the entire practice. Here's what she had to say in a blog from Copy Hackers. Jen writes, the upside of reliving losing tests is that we all get to benefit from a teachable moment or someone that someone else had to suffer through. Whether winners or losers, those case studies leave you, or at least leave me, with the sense that testing is the ticket to actionable insights. Develop a hypothesis, craft at least one treatment, implement a test, and start rolling in the hard data. But it's impossible to run a test on a website that has low traffic, low quality traffic, and or low conversions. No surprise, right? Everybody knows that testing takes lots of good old traffic, but testing platforms casually disregard that critical point. How on earth is a non-Amazon business supposed to test everything when you can barely test your homepage headline and reach confidence? Thanks to low traffic, we had to abandon testing on more than one site when our month of experimentation was up. I'm sure I'm not the first person to be frustrated by this. Small, growing businesses are super screwed when it comes to testing. A-B testing can feel like you're riding a roller coaster after eating one too many chili cheese dogs. You need to monitor your tests regularly, but not too regularly. You've got to check in to know what's happening with your tests and if they've reached significance. But I quickly learned that checking in daily can get really frustrating. Wait, was that a hot take noise? Because that sounded like a wooden crate being dragged on a boardwalk. Do we have another hot take noise? Ah, huh. that's more like it. Can you tell that we're having fun with our sound effects packs? Now, this hot take on testing comes from Joel Kletke, conversion copywriting expert and founder of Case Study Buddy, our featured guest on episode five when we investigated landing pages. So let's hear from Joel. You, you talked a little bit earlier about testing and and kind of pitting two things against each other. Do you advocate for testing, you know, very small things, um, larger things? Like how, how should you approach the, the testing process?
8: Testing is a crutch for a lot of people. And that might sound funny coming from someone in the conversion space. Like there's always the refrain, like, well, A, B, test it. And the reality is you probably can't. Mm. Most companies probably can't. If you're not doing thousands of visitors and hundreds of transactions over a very tight time period, hitting statistical significance can be impossible, very yeah. hard. That doesn't mean though that you shouldn't test at all. Um, the the less uh, I would say the, the the amount you test is kind of determined by two things. Like you can tweak small things. Let's call some things tweaks and some things big tests. I think every company should take like bet wild swings against each other, like two totally different concepts, two totally different angles, a really short version versus a really long version. Those types of tests I think make sense for most companies, because it gives you something like very tangible to zero in on like, okay, clearly all other things being equal, this angle resonated more than that one, or the long copy had information in it that was critical to the decision where the short copy didn't. Um, I think changing big elements and running even like non-statistically significant, but just like gut level tests I don't think that's, other people won't say the same thing, but I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I think for a lot of companies, that's the only option is these big swings, big differences, um, and and obvious changes between the two. You can only really test and tweak small stuff when the statistical significance is there, where you can rule out all other factors um, like seasonality and and that kind of thing. Testing is hard to do well. Um, It requires a lot of a lot of transactions and people. And so I I would say like, once you've got a page that's been up for a while, as maybe a smaller company, then you can tweak stuff. You can try stuff out. But don't just like, I, I think there's this tendency to just, it's like a what if hypothesis where it's like, what if we did this? There should be not just like a trigger happy, like what if we tried that out? There should be a good rationale for whatever it is you decide you want to test. So it's not just like, Would a big button convert better? That's not a good hypothesis. A good hypothesis is we think people are missing the button or we think the button is blending in too much. So we will test a larger, different colored button and see if that impacts conversions. But you should have some data behind why you want to test the things that you do. Mm. You should have a well-formed hypothesis beyond what if we tried that and I think that's kind of for the average company and the average person, that's a far saner way to go about it than like changing that word in my headline, raise conversions. We, we see those case studies and we want that for ourselves, but the reality is you're not Nike, you're not you know HubSpot, like you probably don't have the bandwidth to change this like small level stuff to a point you can be super confident in it. But that's that's just my take. There's people who would disagree with that.
0: So Joel shares similar sentiments as Jen. Testing is hard without a lot of traffic, but that's not to say that testing isn't worthwhile. Okay, but what does Scott have to say here? And the argument that was interesting in that Twitter thread that I mentioned earlier was that for any given one-off email campaign, email send, you know, what are you going to do with the results of the AB test, you know, you found out that this subject line might be significantly better in terms of opens than this subject line. Are you using the results of those tests to sort of influence the subject lines that you write in the future? Are they part of, you know, automations where you pick a winner and then that subject line kind of wins out in the automation and stays as the subject line for anyone who might come into the automation? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. (laughs) That's uh,
1: all those things. Um, You find that uh, certain groups of people um, respond to different things. If you, uh, if you search online, should I put an emoji in my email subject line? I haven't done that, but I'm guessing you'll get hundreds of responses. Um, and some will say always put emojis in your email subject line, 26% better when, uh, when email, uh, when emojis are in email subject line, should you personalize? Um, oh yes, you got to put the name or never put the name. Uh, the point is, those are all good guidelines. And if you have, if you are sending enough emails um, on, uh, on one particular subject for one particular client, you can test that and you can find that the, your audience has a tendency to respond to having it personalized, having an emoji in there. So the answer isn't yes, always include an emoji. It's when you're talking for this particular client, emojis seem to get better opens. Mm. Now, if I were a really good research guy, I'd be able to tell you why they get better. Opens. I don't know. A lot of it is you take your best guess, you see what performs, you do that, then you test that one against other things. and You start finding out that one style, one particular uh, uh, type or technique um, impacts that audience a little better than others.
0: Gotcha. So in the case where it's not, you know, a one-off email campaign, but it might be something where you're, or in the case of a landing page, you know, you, you're thinking about picking a winner that's going to stay, you're going to choose it. It's going to go that way and it's going to stay that way for a given amount of time. How long do you let those tests run for before you're, you're able to say, you know, this option a clearly beats out option B and option C.
1: It, uh, it depends on the, uh, on the size of the list and the uh, frequency of, uh, of emailing, uh, there are some smaller clients who it's um, you know it might take a year to just start coming up with things like okay we seem to get better response when we personalize it. Mm. There are other folks and you get pretty instant re- uh, results when you're talking about uh, email just like in social media. So you can make some adjustments a lot faster than in the old days when you were running full page newspaper ads and uh, and uh, and had fifty percent of your budget on TV. Uh, you can make those adjustments. right? You can. So it really, a lot of these answers um, come down to it depends on the the client. One of the tough things to do is if, for example, you have a welcome email sequence um, uh, for onboarding and your first one does very well, but usually the first email you send um, in a welcome email sequence is usually the best response you're going to get out of any email you ever send. Mm. So you send it and you really like how it performs. And then you start thinking, well, should I mess with this? Should I take a chance? This is working. And uh, once again, it depends on the, uh, on the size of the, uh, on the size of the customer and the number of emails where you can afford to, uh, to do a little testing.
0: Okay. So some tests might take a year or more. And the idea is always to be better than you were last time. You'll have more information, more ideas about what works and what doesn't. And to Scott's point, you never truly know what's going to work until you try it. But how do you go about selecting a winner? So one more question about testing here. What are the, what size discrepancy in the results are you looking for or would be enough evidence for you to say, okay, this is a clear winner versus, you know, there really isn't any significant difference.
1: Well, you know, that once again, I'm not a research expert and uh, and I'm sure that there are uh, viewers you have who are that'll cringe. When I say it. I sort of do it by gut, I, mm-hmm. I look at the number that we sent out, I look at the response they get to uh, to other emails and I say, uh, wow, for this guy, you know, 10, 12 percent. That is huge difference. Let's stick with it. Um, if it's a little closer I might test it again just to see what the range of acceptability is going to be. Um, I don't have a strong enough research background to give you a hard and fast answer there. Um, so I just have to tell you that uh, I do it. Uh, it's a little bit squishy the way <laughs> I, the way I do it. And uh, um, it's, it seems to work. And uh, one of these days, I'll probably... Uh, uh, get aligned with a rather uh, research guru who can uh, who can show me how to tweak an extra percent here and an extra percent there but until then just uh, just me and my gut
0: well, I, I mean, I think that that is a very similar and shared experience for most of the people that are watching, right? You know, you don't have the resources or the bandwidth to really go in depth on the research. If you're running an A-B test, one, it's enough to, or it's, it's a lot to even get to a point where you, you start thinking about A-B testing, writing enough subject lines to A-B test, setting that up, actually running it and looking at the results. Um, so having a research, you know, analyst, is probably outside the realm of possibility for a lot of people. And I think that, that that's exactly right. You know, 10 to 12%, that could be huge. That's pretty significant. Okay, so Scott knows it when he sees it, which reminds me of a conversation that I had with Jonathan Young, the e-commerce manager of a video game apparel company called Jinx. Jonathan and I spoke about testing emails as well. So let's take a look back at what Jonathan had to say. So how, how often do you revisit the automation? How often do you test or, or kind of try to improve it? constantly okay
9: constantly so i know a lot of people um and, and i was kind of this way is like oh i don't want to test that just seems daunting right and it's not i don't really see it as a test
0: i see it as a tweak do you do any experimentation or testing tweaking sorry um with the like <laughs> subject line or the actual content like body copy of the email the writing anything like that
9: uh we we tweet um I think we got recommended by our uh, Megan, our uh, our uh, our account rep on trying emojis. Oh, okay. So we tried little emojis in there. Um, didn't get that big of a response out of it. Nothing measurable. Okay. Um, I thought it was cute, but nothing really measurable. Um, so we tried that in the subject lines. Um, we're going to switch out our next test is going to be the copy because it's it's very. Um, Our our email design uh, mimics the Shopify, um, what do we call them, Um, uh, transactional emails. Okay. So when you get an email from Shopify, it says your order's been placed, your order's been shipped, and so it matches that. Right. And then our other email marketing is very fancy and artsy and, and whatnot and so we're we're gonna make this a little bit fancier is our next one a little bit cuter and you know um that's gonna be our next one is getting a little um fun and silly and
0: yeah get that brand with, voice with, in there
9: with, with a copy so i mean it's it's cute but we're, we're still gonna i mean we're, we're getting good results out of it right now but we want to see can we get better results right if it would be a little bit more silly
0: so with all of these, these tweaks, these tests that you're running, how long do you let the test run before you determine if you're going to, you know, implement the change or keep it the way that it was? Um,
9: until I get good enough. Oh, well, it kind of depends. Okay. Sometimes, um, sometimes I see a, a difference right away, but I don't have enough. Um, I want to see enough people in the numbers. Right. Like I may run it for two weeks, um, but there's not enough people in the queue yet. Like I may run it for two weeks and I'll see, oh, this one's only got 10% and this one's got 80%. But there's like, oh, there's not enough people in that queue. And so I'll run it for another couple of weeks to, to see how it runs. Or I may run it for two weeks and there's like five bazillion people in that queue and there's no results. So, mm. you know, it just kind of depends. I, I want to hit like that that sweet spot if there's enough people in that queue and I also see um, a good result out of it. And if I if there's a lot of people in there and I see no result, then okay, no change. I just pick A or B, whichever one I think is good. Sure. That's, that's just
0: my decision. So It's <laughs> like you, you know it when you see it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Testing your email subject lines can certainly help you discover what styles resonate with your audience. Are they more serious and straightforward? Can you get a little silly? Do numbers have an impact? Do questions work better than statements? Which curiosity levers work the best? Now, you can discover all these things as you go, whether you test or not, by paying close attention to the subject line style and the corresponding results. So keep these things in mind when you're looking to write a better subject line. First, ask yourself, again, what's the purpose of the email? Why are you sending it? Who is it for? What do they care about? And finally, how can you match the voice of the brand? Now, once you have the answers to those questions, see if you can't pull some curiosity levers. Is there a place for a number? What about a powerful, captivating word? And as Scott advocated for with, hmm. And as Scott advocated for, write the subject line last and write a bunch of them. You can narrow it down, or maybe you can use a few of them to Frankenstein a super subject line together. But what should you avoid? Are there any mistakes that you see often in your inbox, or mistakes that you have made personally that we might be able to uh, to learn from? Me, mistakes? <laughs> are
1: you kidding? What what is wrong with you? Um, um, yeah, um, uh, that, that's one of the reasons I test is to uh, is to is to is to see uh, what mistakes I've made. They they aren't always. Uh, you know, uh, like i say, some of the ones that I predict are going to be the, uh, going to be the killers, uh, turn out to be the uh, lowest testing ones. Um, I think we've covered some of the mistakes. Uh, uh we've talked about things like, um, uh, all caps, um, you know, things that sound spammy, right? right. I, I think, uh, what you're trying to do is to open up a conversation with, uh, the current customer or a prospective customer. And, uh, if if you sound like an infomercial that uh, offers free leaders and gutters and uh, it's it's not going to create a conversation. So uh, uh, I see a lot of uh, email uh, subject lines that are either uh, too shouty, too spammy, um, too too marketing lingo. Ease. Um, there are some guys Uber. Um, they, they have subject lines that say things like, um, 50% coupon on your next three meals. Okay. That's, that's pretty much if I were going to call you and say, Hey, guess what? I saw that Uber has a, has a a 50% off its next three meals. Uh, that's a pretty natural thing to say. Um, those folks who get into heavy advertising speak, um, I think create a barrier that, uh, It doesn't make it easy to uh, open a conversation. Sometimes Mm. simple and clear and concise um, wins the day.
0: Well, there you have it. Avoid spammy words like free or fast cash or don't delete. Don't include multiple exclamation points and make sure your caps lock button isn't on. Aha, the final hot take of the episode. And this one comes from Scott himself. Let's see here. And and finally, here's a the last question. We've kind of talked about some of the hot takes. You should always include a, uh, an emoji in your subject line. You should, you know, all the different advice that you might see. Or the subject line doesn't matter at all. It's it's more about what's in the email, or it's more about who it's coming from. Do do you have any what they would call hot takes regarding email subject lines? Yes, as Ooh. a
1: matter of fact, I do. Um, all of the above and. Uh, you know me. I could go on for hours and come up with more stuff, but uh, the one thing that uh, I see people don't do enough, and I think is important to think about, is um, think about your preview text or your pre-header. I know that's not necessarily part of the subject line, but don't repeat the subject line in that uh, in that preview text or or, or a pre-header. Um, extend it. Mm use that. So it, it continues and, and makes, uh, makes the uh, email seem that much more, uh, that much more uh, worthy of being opened. Um, you usually do have enough characters to take it to the next level. Too many times I see people um, repeating the subject line there. And that's just a uh, that's a uh, wasted opportunity.
0: Great advice to close us out. The pre header text can be a subject line extension or a second subject line that you can use to pack as much info as you can in. Your pre-header is especially useful on mobile as it's much more prominent than it is in a desktop inbox. Now, we've covered a lot here, and one thing that's tough to do is A-B testing. But here's the thing, it doesn't have to be. And with tools like ActiveCampaign, you can automate it. And that is it for our show, and that's it for Growth Decoded season one. Thank you to Tim, and molly and cody for their help on this episode and all of the previous episodes in season one thank you to our wonderful guest co-hosts from season one for giving us a sneak peek into the topics that we're going to cover in season two we are far from done season two is just a few weeks away we have so much left to uncover and investigate for you all so stay tuned for that Uh, shout out to dave gerhardt to eddie Schleiner, to jen hayweiss to jacob sappington and to Devin reed for dishing out the free knowledge regarding subject lines Thank you to all of our season one guests, but thank you to Melissa Love, Jonathan Young, and Joel Kletke for talking about email subject lines in the previous conversations we had. Uh, thank you to today's guest, Scott Frothingham, for his insights and expertise on writing good email subject lines. Here's Scott's book right here, Instant Inspiration for Copywriters. You can check this out on Amazon if you want to learn more from Scott and get some uh, some inspiration for writing better subject lines or just words wherever they appear on the internet for your business. And finally, thank you thank you thank you to you for your support of the show again keep your eyes out for more information on growth decoded season two we've got a lot of great topics we'll have a lot of great guests more great content more questions answered uh, more best practices uncovered for you so stay tuned until then this is plantasia i'm ernie thanks for listening to growth decoded to go For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.